Yeah, we've been talking about it. I've been here, but I can't wait for it to get here. So it'll be good for the men. It'll be good for the women. It'll be good for all of us. Amen? Okay, why don't you take a seat? I'm going to continue on our theme of courageous culture, uh, create, creating a culture of courage. And do you know, courage, um, I'm, we have had some really great superhero movies lately and so forth, and that's, that's courage as we see on um, the media, that we see in the movies, that we see in the cartoons. But real courage is actually hard. It's not dressing up in a superhero costume and having, you know, good abs. It's like doing hard and working hard. And today I want to talk about courageous conversation because sometimes that's one of the hardest things you'll do. But if we are people of courage, if we are fearless, then we'll look at hard stuff and go, okay, we do hard. We do hard. So I'm going to pray and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to help us. And then we're going to dive into this word. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray today that you'll help us to be people of courage. Lord Jesus, when you walked the earth, you spoke like no other man. And you weren't afraid to have those conversations. And Lord, we have your words of life to, to speak to us even now today and know what that means. We're not you, Jesus, but in many ways, we're Jesus to our world. And Father, I pray you'll help us in our personal life. You'll help us in those times when conversations are hard. That, Lord, you would just come alongside us. That you, the living word of God, would live in us and speak through us and speak to us and help us. And Lord, I pray today for a word and season to come to our hearts. I pray that you'll teach us. You'll open your word to us. And Lord, speak life to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, have you ever wished you had a do-over when you were speaking to someone? Have you ever regretted the words just as they flew out of your mouth and you heard them? Maybe it was the expression on a person's face as they came to their hearing and they were stunned by what you had to say. And you wished you could take those words back, but now they're out there. And it has happened. The moment came and the moment went and you went, oh man, do I regret what, that ha what I said. Maybe... Maybe it's been a different thing. Maybe it's that you were afraid to speak, that you actually were intimidated to speak. Maybe you lacked the confidence to speak up and say something, and you just kind of shrunk back from the situation. That takes courage, doesn't it, to talk? Yeah, I remember a few years ago, um, a few years ago, <laughs> a few decades ago, uh, when our kids were all in primary school, and they came to the school here. And there was a particular parent who I just felt intimidated around. And I, you know, we're new in country and I wanted to fit in. I wanted to make friends. I wanted to be a part of the, the school community. But this lady just intimidated me. And the reason why is in my eyes, she was perfect and I was not. And her children were perfect. They all excelled at school. They had the top marks. They were they excelled in sport. They got all the prizes at the end of the year. It was like every, every second thing was them. And I just was intimidated by the whole thing. But I was persevering. I was trying. And every time I opened my mouth to try to speak to her, you know, have some friendly conversation, 
It was either bumbling coming out of my mouth or I felt like what I said was so stupid. And the, the look that she glared back at me with just said it all. And so I would walk away thinking, you know, I'm going to falter every time. It's just like I can't win speaking to this lady. Either that or maybe the Holy Spirit is trying to teach me something. Maybe this is a setup that I've got to get through and go beyond. Well, all these years later, I cannot remember her name. <laughs> but I sure can remember how I felt and, and what it did to me inside and how demoralizing that was just because I just couldn't speak to her because of my intimidation. Well, a few decades, you grow a little bit, but I can't say I'm perfect yet and that I've, I've actually achieved. So that's in the private area. Then there's the public conversation. Some of us have to stand up in our role and speak in front of people like I'm doing right now. And for some people, that is the most intimidating, difficult thing to do. Uh, the anxiety level on some people is comes from nervousness, maybe even to full-on panic attacks if they have to speak in front of people. But I think for most of us, the real intimidation and the difficulty comes when it's that private conversation. Would you agree that that's, that's probably hard to do, harder to do? There's a word for it. It's called glossophobia. It's the fear of public speaking. I mean, it even has a name. And so this is... Uh, this is something that people can learn and skill and to do, but also in our private conversations, we can, we can upskill in that area. We can learn to be better. And sometimes when things go wrong, we can look back and go, okay, what did I do wrong? How could I have done that better? And then the sad fact is sometimes some conversations just do not end up well for all you're trying, for all your best efforts. And we have to accept that, but hope for better in the future, right? Uh, we need these types of honest, courageous conversations in our family. That happens. It happens in our workplace. That sometimes we just need to have an honest conversation. Uh, it happens in our church family. And it happens in social circles. And what do we do? Well, some people just avoid the whole thing entirely. That's easy. I'll just move on. I'll ignore. I'll walk across the street. I'll just not have you for Christmas. Whatever. That's how I avoid having a courageous conversation. And that might work for a little bit, but you know, one by one, <laughs> you lose acquaintances, family, friends, colleagues, because you won't have that conversation. Or there becomes this wall, this dividing wall, this mutual, let's ignore each other, because that's easier. Sometimes a, a courageous conversation or a difficult conversation will just spring up. You didn't plan for it. You couldn't prepare for it. It just happened, and you're in the moment. And now you've got to be able to speak in a way that is courageous and yet is honest and truthful and not hurtful. That's not an easy thing to do. So today, I hope to give you some practical points and then one timeless truth that should stand with us and help us every time. If we forget everything else, just remember this one thing that I'll bring to you at the end. So the first one, point number one, your words are powerful. They're so powerful. So learn to use them wisely. Proverbs 16, verse 23 and 24 says, the mind of the wise instructs his mouth and adds learning and persuasiveness to his lips. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the mind and healing 
to the body. Notice here it says the mind instructs his mouth, not the emotions. And how easy is it to let our emotions instruct about, well, that's how I feel. I'm just being honest. This is how I feel. You know, and that's powerful, punch, punch. You know, those are the kind of words that perhaps are not going to help add learning or pleasantness or be honeycomb and sweet and healing to the body because they actually are hurtful. So let's use our minds. Let's use what God gave us. Let's use the mind of Christ that's in us, the renewed mind that we have through Jesus Christ. And think about what we say, even that split second. You know, sometimes we're so fast to have to get in there what we say. And what would it happen if you were in a moment that's so difficult to just pause for one or two seconds to compose yourself and to think about what you're going to say? It might avoid a world of trouble in, in a difficult moment. And when you think about how you're going to say, you're going to avoid just venting. You know, sometimes I'm having a courageous conversation. I'm going to be honest about how I feel. Well, that's actually just a venting. That's just blah. Here it comes out at you. That's, that's not courageous. That's just, I don't know what that is. That's dumping. So <laughs> we need to think about how the other person might perceive or understand or maybe misunderstand what we say. So we have to think very carefully. And when, we, when we're speaking and when we're listening, which we'll get onto in a moment, we need to pursue clarity in what we're trying to say. What do I mean by that? It's keeping the main thing the main thing, not the side issues. Because with everything that has a difficult element to it, there's also all these things dangling off to the side, aren't they? And you can get there and you can get distracted, and that's not going to help at all. You remember Job and his friends that came to have some honest conversations with him? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Job had experienced catastrophic loss. He had lost everything, family and fortune and all that he was, and, and he was reduced to a sick, emaciated body covered in boils and sores. He was in physical pain. He was in mental pain. He was in emotional pain, and he wondered where God was in the midst of this. And so his friends came with their advice and their honest, quote, honest conversation. And he said in Job 6, teach me, and I'll be silent Show me where I've been wrong. How painful an honest discussion can be. In correcting me, you correct yourselves. Do you think my words need correction? Do you think they're what a desperate person says to the wind? Well, they had put some powerful words to Job, and he reacted, didn't he? His, his, they were powerful words, but they weren't actually right words, and they weren't actually helpful words, and so he reacted in his pain back to them, but he was also being truthful too, in the best he knew. So number one, your words are powerful, use them and choose them wisely. Let your mind instruct. Number two, whenever it's possible, it's best to have a courageous conversation in person. In person, face to face, soon becomes heart to heart. And that's the only way that that really happens. Face to face becomes heart to heart. And please 
avoid using text messages. Have you ever been in a text message exchange back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and you think, maybe I should just pick up the phone <laughs> for the amount of time I'm spending here with my fingers going back and forth. And that this is a modern day shortcut that we have, and sometimes we avoid having conversations by just sending a text message. Have you heard of the, the thing about, it's a thing about like breaking up, boyfriend, girlfriend, breaking up with a text message? Like, how wrong is that? And how chicken-hearted is that, to put it very bluntly? I don't want to be with you anymore. Okay, goodbye, you know. <laughs> emoji, 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 whatever ones they are. <laughs> it doesn't tell the truth. It's not honest. It's not how we're supposed to be. If we're going to end something like that, then do it face-to-face. Hopefully, though, a face-to-face -face conversation that you'd have to be. It's not an ending, but it's a beginning to something better. It's a bridging a gap with another person. 3 John, verse 13, so there's just one chapter there. It says, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope, you, I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. This was the Apostle Paul writing to his dear friend Gaius, who he loved, and this was not a confrontational conversation. This was, he had a lot to say, and he just wanted to be with him face to face, not write it in a letter. If you have a lot to say, if you need to explore your emotions, if you need to get something settled, let's do it face to face. It's just so much better. And if you have any strong emotions, that's the place to do it. It requires a lot of courage to do that, but face-to-face -face is better. And I have found that maybe I've got, come into something that I've already, have you ever had the little um, conversations that you rehearse in your mind, you know, or the, the wrongs that you've experienced and the painful emotions are speaking to you and all that's there in front of you and you're trying to think, how am I going to do this? How am I going to talk? But the moment you sit down, and I've found this, and you probably found this true. The moment I sit down and I start to talk to that person and I look into their eyes, I see their pain. I see their humanity. I see their, their shortcomings just like mine, and it's reflecting back to me that we're just human beings trying to do the best we can, and maybe we've messed up a little bit, but if we could just talk face-to-face -face honestly, it can be resolved. I believe most things can be resolved. That takes courage. Are we up for it? Amen. Amen. Okay, so when we close this gap that might be between us, we actually open the door to something new and better. So number three, listen more than you speak. Oh, that's hard to do. Yes. <laughs> Someone's saying yes. I can't see you because the lights are in my eyes. So you can be anonymous today. Say whatever you want to. You can just groan. You can say, man, I could just, I can't see you. I see little shapes here. <laughs> so listen, to listen more than you speak, that's, we need the Holy Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, self-control. That should be evident in our lives, brothers and sisters. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So there's no excuse to say, well, I just couldn't help it. I just had to say that. No, you can help it because there's a helper who helps you. That you don't have to say everything you think. You don't have to unload every thought. Get the main points, not all the horrible details because they're not going to help. You don't have to say everything you think, and you don't have to say everything you feel to actually be honest. So it's a courageous step to seek to understand more than to be understood. 
If we understand first and honestly convey that back, then it opens the door for ourselves to be understood. Now permission is given to do that. So we need to listen and we need to fully listen. And that is the art of active listening. That's a skill that we can grow in. You can just Google those words, active listening, and go onto the internet and find a hundred more websites to teach you how to do that. But the basic points of active listening is number one, pay attention. Next, withhold judgment. Then reflect, clarify, summarize and restate what you've heard, and then share your thoughts. So it's, it's a good order, you know. Those are things we could just kind of memorize or have in our mind like, I need, to, I need to listen, I need to understand before I ask to be understood. And so when we're asking the questions, we're reflecting back, we're seeking clarity in a situation. The book of Proverbs chapter 20 verse five says, the heart's real intention are like deep water, but a person with discernment draws them out. So if there's been misunderstanding, if there's been conflict, if there's something that needs to be spoken to, then let's draw that out. Let's go look into those deep waters and let's discern and draw that out. Number four, under that, understand that you speak with an accent. We all do. And I know what you're thinking. You're looking at me saying, you speak with an accent. Do you think I speak with an accent? Who thinks I speak with an accent? Okay, can't see your hands, but I heard a lot of, uh-huh. <laughs> I met someone the other night uh, for the first time, uh, and she, I think, is obviously well-traveled, and, and she could pick straight away, I'm an American, and then she said, South Carolina? And I, I thought, no, no, that's way, way, way off. But, you know, I was born in Minnesota, raised in Washington, and, you know, the accent is not like it is in the South, but I think maybe 35 years in Australia has softened a little bit. You should have heard me before. <laughs> Jack will never change. <laughs> Always has an accent. We all speak with an accent, you know. It's a really, is an identifier kind of a thing. Uh, when I first uh, was living here, I can remember going to the deli that was where Franklin's used to be on Henry Street. Do you remember that little area of shops? Anybody that old? Okay, long-time Penrissians know that place. And I just remember that was kind of my, you know, first real like, oh, Lord, what do I do? It was my dive into things. And, and I um, walked up to the shop clerk and, um, you know, there's several other shoppers. And then finally one looked at me and acknowledged me and she said, you right? <laughs> and I said, yes, I'm fine, thank you. And then we stood there and she looked at me again and said, you right? I said, yes, very good. And, you know, then she said, do you want something? <laughs> oh, yes, I do. What do you want? Uh, I want some of that shaved ham. Okay, how much do you want? Well, I didn't know metric. I didn't know how to shop in metric. So it's like, um, I want about this much. How frustrating, my accent. And, and I was hard to understand, and I didn't understand everything everybody said, let alone all the idioms of speech. Here's the point. We don't understand each other because we all have some accents, don't we? We all have a predisposition to something. We have a way that we think, a way that we receive information, and the way that we give information, and there's an accent to it. And we might as well just accept we all have an accent, right? Amen. So what is your accent? 
And what do I mean? This is all the preconceived notions, the assumptions that we make about other people. You know, Jesus spoke with an accent. He spoke with a Galilean accent, and that was quite noticeable to those in Judea and in Jerusalem in particular. Do you remember the um, incident? See, Jesus spoke with an accent from Galilee, and so did his disciples. Remember when Jesus was being taken, uh, he was arrested, Peter followed along behind, and he was easily identified as soon as he opened his mouth and spoke. And you, you were with him. You're one of them. You speak with an accent. They knew. So that's how Jesus spoke. And the Galileans were looked down upon by the Judeans because they were possibly mixed race. Centuries before, they had been invaded by the Assyrians. And they were the neighbors of the Samaritans. They weren't the scholars. They weren't the learned people of the day. They were fishermen. They were farmers. It was a backwater. They were tradesmen like Jesus, the carpenter. Is this not the carpenter's son, they said. So Jesus was misunderstood. His accent was out there. And straight away, it was like, he's a Galilean. What has he got to say to us? And it seemed impossible. It may, may be possible that a prophet, possibly a rabbi, could come from Galilee. But could the Messiah come from Galilee? How could, it was such a confusing thing because he did these amazing signs and wonders. And he spoke like no man ever spoke before. But it was that accent. It was that Galilean. That's like we cannot get past that. Can I just say this? Rarely do we know the whole story about someone. And that was the truth about Jesus there. They didn't know he was born in Bethlehem. They didn't know that he was the son of David and fulfilled the prophecies to an absolute exact T. He fulfilled prophecy. They didn't know the whole story about them. They just assumed things about him. And that's where we get in trouble because we assume things about people. We presume this is the case. Have you ever had one of these conversations in your head? Maybe it's just me. It might just be my head. But it's like... Well, they probably think that, or I'm sure they feel this. You know, you have these assumptions. You don't know. We don't ever know. We don't know until we investigate. We rarely have the whole story. In John chapter, 40, chapter 7, verse 41, sorry, my eyes are trying to see. <laughs> I'm telling stories about my age here. Uh, this is um, the words of Nicodemus, and you remember him from... John chapter 3, that he had secretly come to Jesus by night, and he was a believer. And there was this whole argument about all these assumptions about Jesus. And so he spoke up. And, um, well, let me read the verse before. So John seven forty one says, Others said, This is the Messiah. But some said, Surely the Messiah doesn't come from Galilee, does he? And then Nicodemus spoke up, and he said, our law doesn't judge a man before it hears from him and knows what he's doing, does it? You aren't from Galilee too, are you? They replied. Investigate and you will see that no prophet comes or rises from Galilee. So Nicodemus was trying to get them to listen, to, to look at it and not make assumptions beforehand because he actually did believe already. But they had an assumption about Jesus that they'd already decided in their mind but they did not have all the facts. So maybe that's something we can learn 
It's a posture of humility that we approach our relationships with others from. Maybe we can take a step back. We might know what is the offense. We might know what the hurt is. We may know something that is on the surface, but do we know really what's happening there? What has been in a person's past or what is in a present now? Sometimes I have been so shocked to find out about the load of care and burden someone has been carrying. And I'm just amazed that they can even function, that they can either get dressed in the morning and, and walk out the door and go to work or whatever it is, because they're not telling everybody all the things that they're carrying. They're just doing their life. And so if they've had a bad day, boy, it can have a bad day, okay. That's all right. You're allowed a bad day. You're allowed maybe not saying things right or doing things in the best way because there's just so much else going on. John chapter 8 describes uh, Jesus at the Feast of Tabernacles. And so John chapter 7, he came up secretly. In John chapter 8, he's kind of made himself known because he stood there uh, in the temple uh, square and he said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink, for out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Well, he drew a lot of attention. <laughs> and so very soon the Pharisees were onto it, and they were accusing him. They, they were speaking in the most insulting language. They were questioning his, not only him being a Galilean, but his parentage as well, because there were some rumors about who was his father. So they had this conversation about fatherhood who's your father and Jesus would speak about my father he wasn't speaking about Joseph the carpenter he was speaking about his heavenly father kind of added to the confusion a little bit I would think <laughs> and that the tone there is just a volley of words back and forth but Jesus moved the conversation off of ancestry and their attitude and onto a mindset and a motive and we're going to get to that in just a moment John chapter 8, verse 42, Jesus said to them, If God really were your father, you would love me because I came from God and now I am here. I did not come on my own authority, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot hear, bear to listen to my message. And when he says, when you don't understand what I say, He's actually saying, another version says, you don't understand my speech, but if you look that up, that word means your accent. You don't understand the way I speak. You don't understand the way I speak because you don't want to listen. And sometimes we don't understand what somebody's saying because we actually don't want to listen. We're hearing with our accent. We're hearing their accent. We're hearing with our accent. We're hearing with the ears of how we want to hear. And we have to switch that off. We have to put ourselves in the other person's place and listen to their accent. Listen like you have an accent like that. And they, the, what was the real problem with the Pharisees is they had a hardness of heart. And that's what Jesus was trying to get after. They didn't understand because they just didn't want to understand. They could only see things their way. They could only believe that God would act like this, that the Messiah would be that. And it wouldn't be anything that looked like the package that Jesus presented to them as the Son of God. So we need to do a heart check. Robert asked us earlier to do a heart check. And let's do another one. What accent identifies you? And what accent do I speak with? Do we have an accent of negativity? 
or complaining, the old Aussie whinging, you know, I, I, that, that kind of always used to amuse me thinking, oh, this is what we do, is it? Okay. <laughs> well, what else can we complain about? <laughs> Found that was a cultural thing that I, I learned and then I thought, I need to unlearn that one. <laughs> um, is there an accent of criticism or judgmentalism? Is it an accent of pride like these Pharisees had? Or do you have an accent of humility and graciousness? Do you have an accent that shows a sincere interest in other people? Is there concern and care communicated through your accent? Do you desire to understand more than be understood? And that's apparent in the way you speak. Number five, and this is the timeless truth that I want to get to, and I think this is going to help us most of all if we forget everything else that I said, and that it comes down to the motivating force of your life. What motivates you when you speak? Do we speak from pure motives? One that is born from the Holy Spirit, reflects his work actively in our life, or are we speaking from a motive of distrust, of, of bitterness, of offense. You know, that will certainly color your speech. That, that will, you know, some people have a, a lifelong chip on their shoulder and it goes back to the hurt or the trauma that they experienced in their life and now you see them like that and you go, oh, that's that prickly person that's so difficult to be around. Well, where did they get hurt like that? What healing needs to come to their life? Well, you can't solve their problems in one conversation, but we can pray and we can understand and we can hope that help can come in that way. So it all comes down to that uh, motive. And do we have mixed motives? Have you ever had someone who came to you with a conversation and they seem so nice and let's talk about it and they're smiling, but behind that there's just this something that, oh, you know, it's kind of more like a manipulation thing than it is a resolving of a situation? So those things, are they can get in our way. We have to have a pure motive when we speak. And Jesus talked about the good man and the good treasure and the, the, good, the, the evil man and the evil treasure, and I'll refer to that in a moment. But when he was talking about treasure, he is talking about a resource that we have in, within ourselves. I'll bring a, a definition to it. it. The treasure is maybe in our vernacular would be like a treasure chest. You have a treasure chest within you. What's inside of it? Well, if we're born again and born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Jesus is in our heart. He's our treasure. That's, he's the greatest treasure of them all. He's the pearl of great price. And there should be the good treasure of Jesus Christ coming out from us, speaking out through us. That's, that's the mark of a Christian. That's the mark of a true follower of Jesus Christ. That's what's supposed to be within us. So we all have that repository of the treasure within. So Luke 6, verse 45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Can I have the team please come up to the, the platform? So, you know, we can have some mixture sometimes. Sometimes the, the things of life, the offenses, the hurts that we have can even get into a good man or a good woman's heart. And that, that can be a mixture there that we've got to sort ourselves out 
Stuart Veronica mentioned Encounter. That is such a good place to sort yourself out. I can recommend that. But we can also do that every day in prayer. We can come before the Lord and, and ask him to search our hearts and to, to see if there's something in there that doesn't belong, you know. We accumulate junk. We accumulate offenses and bitterness and wrongs done to us. And if we let that stuff pile up within us, it's going to affect that treasure chest that's within us. The good man, the good person. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, said Jesus. So I want to have an abundance of good things within me, don't you? I want to have a, a, a treasure chest that my motive, at the end of the day, if everything did not come out quite exactly right, if I didn't say all the right words, I knew that my heart was pure. I knew that my motive was right. And then we have to just trust the Lord sometimes in all these things. We're not going to be perfect. We're not going to do it well. Psalm 19 verse 14 says, May the speech from my mouth and the thoughts of my, in my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So we have some decisions to make right now. We're going to have an honest conversation, a courageous conversation with ourselves. Step back a little bit and go, what's going on inside here? Is there stuff that needs to go, that I need Holy Spirit to begin to work in me? Is there a situation that has just bugged me for so long? It just irritates me. It's always a thorn to me. I need Jesus to help me. I speak Jesus. I speak your name over this situation, Lord. I speak your name over my heart that is so troubled within. I need your help. Lord, we just ask you in the name of Jesus that you will help us. Lord, we are a people that need you. And Lord, we are not sufficient on our own. And we draw near to you, Lord Jesus. And we say, help us. Help us to be a people of courage. And help us to be a people with a good treasure within our hearts. That we can speak life. That we can speak love. That we can have conversations that restore rather than divide. That we can close the gap and become people that are heart to heart walking together. Lord, I pray for broken relationships right now. I pray, Father, where there are family relationships, where there is strain and maybe even complete cutoff and not able to talk. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come. I pray, Jesus, I speak you. You speak your wonderful name, and I ask, Lord, that you would just bring a restoring of relationships. Father, I pray that you would show us by your Spirit where to start. Lord, where, where is there a relationship that needs to, to be fixed or begin a healing process? Show us what to do. Show us what to say. Show us when to say it. And Lord, I also pray for divine encounters. I pray for things to happen in our life this week, for people to show up on our radar, for phone calls, text messages, for chance meetings in the street. Lord, that you would just bring us as a people restored, that we would not avoid things, but we would go straight forward courageously in our life to be people that truly live the truth, walk the truth, and speak the truth. I praise you and I thank you for your help now. In the name of Jesus, amen. <laughs>